peace equals trust. But I, I, before I begin the message, there, I, I just wanted to share this. This is really on my heart strong this morning. Um, I know that uh, some of you were probably raised like me, and that is that you really never did get to hear about the supernatural. You didn't really uh, believe in miracles and that God can do anything. You know, I, I just never was taught that growing up. I was taught that uh, if God wanted to do something, well, in his sweet time, he would do it. But uh, we were never taught that we needed to believe for the supernatural. You know, Mark chapter 9, verse 23, it says this, that all things are possible to him that believes. And so we need to, you know, we just shoved all of the responsibility on God if he wants to heal me. He will heal me. If he wants to bless me, he will bless me. You know, but then when it came to salvation, we didn't believe that. You know, because, you know, we'd, people say, well, nobody would say, well, if God wants to save me, he'll save me. He did, honey. He paid the price 2,000 years ago for you to be saved. And so he paid the price for you to be healed. He paid the price for you and me to have every need met. But the problem is, the disconnect is, is, to be honest with you, is on our part. We need to believe. And uh, so if you, it may be uncomfortable, to be honest with you, uh, to hear things like that, to say that, you know, that God wants to do supernatural things, but he's waiting on you and me. That was a thunderous amen. It just it's waiting on us. I know years, but... Uh, he is. God is waiting on us. I know a lot of people are waiting on God. But God is waiting on us to believe. All things are possible to him. Have you heard that scripture? Mark 9. I'm not making this up. Mark 9, 23. All things. All things. All things. You know, I had a friend who did a study on the word all. He went to the, to the Greek, to the Hebrew, to all the in-depth theology study of the word all. And he came to the conclusion that the word all means all. All things are possible to him that believes. Everything is possible. For your miracle, for the supernatural to happen in your life, we need to just start to choose to believe. And so I just felt encouraged this morning to say this. I'm going to try to say it. Maybe you can remind me every Sunday to say this to everybody who comes and everybody who's watching. Sunday morning is a good time to receive healing and to receive the blessings of God and to see transformation of people's lives at Rocky Mountain Family Church. I believe people can be healed while we're worshiping. I believe people can be healed while I'm preaching. I believe minds can be renewed. People can be transformed. Like the people Melody was talking about. Nobody here, I'm sure. But, you know, the people who are really mean can just get transformed and be just the most lovable guy on the planet. You know, the Bible talks about Paul. He was solved. You read in, in Acts what kind of dude. Man, that dude was just a mean dude. He was killing Christians all in the name of God. He thought he was doing God's business putting Christians in prison, and, and finally just, you know, God knocked him off his horse. Some of us need to be knocked off our horse. I don't ride one, but, I mean, we could be knocked. We just need our attention that God is a good God. 
that God wants you well, that God wants you blessed, that God wants to do good things in your life. It's a journey. Not all of us are going to just wake up one morning and go, okay, I'm going to believe 100%. I'm never going to get sick. I'm never going to be, I'm never this or never that. It is a journey. But the thing is, it needs to start with you and me taking one step just to say, I believe that. I believe that. I believe in the super. Do we, let me just ask you, what kind of God do you serve? What kind of God do you serve? I think that's a good question that only you can define. Because ever, there's so many people that say, well, I, I believe in God. Okay, but what kind of God do you serve? What kind of God is he? Because I know I was raised that the, the God that we served was that he would put sickness on you to try to teach you something. He would take uh, away your loved ones. He would do this. He would make bad things happen to, just to keep you in check. He would cause you to lose your money, and he would cause this. And that's the God we served. If somebody said, do you serve God? Yes, that is the God we served. And if you sin, he was ready to knock you upside the head and just beat you to a pulp. And we all thought, well, we deserve it. And we did. But what kind of God do you serve? What kind of God do you serve today? Do you serve a God who accepts you just as you are? Do you have a God that loves you 24-7? Do you have a God that loves you even when you sin? Do you serve a God that does want you well, that does want you blessed? What kind of God do you serve? I believe that God wants you and me to change the way that we think. You know, in Psalms 27, this isn't part of my message. Tiffany doesn't have any of these scriptures. But in Psalms 27, it says, David said this. I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart if I would not have believed in the goodness of God in the land of the living. In other words, he says, I would have just fainted. I would have been discouraged. I would have been depressed. But I believe that I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. See, most people don't want to believe or even think about believe the, to see the goodness of God because God's really not concerned about your day in and day out things, is he? God's really not concerned if, we, if you can pay your bills. God's not really concerned if you have a sickness, you know, that it's just all just in the sweet by and by. Do the best you can so we can hang on till we get to heaven. How many sang that song in church when you grow up? When we all get to heaven, what a glorious day that will be. There's a subliminal message in that. But we're here on earth. Swimming in hell every day. That was great. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Two people. That's not bad. My wife's downstairs. But anyway, we, we just need to change the way we think about God. 
Because I'm telling you, the devil wants you to think when you get to heaven, that's where the blessings are, that's where the healing is, that's where the happiness is, that's where the joy is. But you know, you're on planet Earth. And besides all that, you're in Pueblo. Not just planet Earth. I mean, God planted us in Pueblo. And some people think, what did I do? What did I do? And God's changing that. I'm going to preach that this is the greatest city on the planet until I lose breath. People are going to, I believe this with all my heart. People from outside of Pueblo are going to hear what's going on in Pueblo. And they're going to say, Pueblo, Colorado? That, that's going on in Pueblo, Colorado? They're just going to be like, Wow. How can that happen in Pueblo? They said the same thing about Jesus, you know. When he was collecting his disciples, somebody said, where is he from? He said, from Nazareth. And somebody said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? They're going to say that about our city. Can anything good come out of Pueblo? About as much as good as can come out of Nazareth because of Jesus. Just as another side note, um, we're refinancing the, the building this coming week, and I found out that uh, I thought we owed $172,000. We owe $144,000 on this building. Yeah, $144,000. I think this is the year to pay it off. So you, I'm saying that so you can believe with me. Don't worry. I'm not going to shake you until you, all the money comes out, but this is what I'm saying. We need to believe God. We need to believe God that supernatural things happen. I'm believing, I pray for you all that you guys are getting promotions, that money, listen, if you are just totally believing that the only way for you to get finances is by your job, you're always going to be limited by your job. God was not limited by financial situations at all. He went fishing to pay his taxes and they got paid. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't pick one of those things. How do you want to pay for your taxes? Let's go fishing. Yeah, I just wouldn't pick that. That wouldn't be in the top 10 list of how to pay your taxes. I don't think you can find a book in the library that says how to pay your taxes. Not one of them will say go fishing. My point is this. God is a supernatural God, and he wants to do his supernatural through you and me. That was a supernatural thing. To go fishing and get a gold coin out of the first fish you catch. Let's start believing. And listen, you say, well, man, that's so hard to believe. Well, first of all, it's just a choice. I'm going to choose to believe something supernatural can happen because that's who lives in me, a supernatural God. Again, it goes back to what kind of God do you serve? Are you going to serve? Do you serve a God that all things are possible to him that believes? Or do you serve a God that's limited? God Almighty said this about the children of Israel when they were coming out of Egypt. The Bible says they limited God. They did. People think, well, if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. That is not true. It's a lie of the devil. He wants the whole world, the Bible says in Peter, that he wants the whole world to be saved and none to perish. But people are perishing. The bottom line is this. It's up to you and me. The Bible says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. They saw the supernatural happen in Egypt. All of those ten plagues when the... 
All of Egypt was total darkness. Goshen, which is inside, you can look it up and Google it. Goshen was inside of Egypt. All of Egypt was total darkness. You couldn't see your hand in front of your face, but the Bible says in Goshen, the light was shining. That's a supernatural thing. They saw all of that, and yet when they left Egypt, they were totally free. They didn't think God could provide for them. <laughs> really? They saw the Red Sea open up, and they walked on dry land, dry ground, and then all of the Egyptian, the greatest army on the planet, was chasing them, and they saw the, oh, the sea just covered them back up. They were totally set free from their enemies. The greatest army on the earth was gone. They saw this miraculous thing, and yet when they needed food, they says, I don't know if God can do this or not. <laughs> really? Did they get hit on the head on their way out? What, why would you even, in your common sense mind, why would you think that? Forget about the spiritual stuff. I mean, if you saw all these great, wonderful things to say that, I don't know if God can provide food for us or not. And the Bible says they limited God. Unfortunately, we still do it today. We, we, you and me still do it today. We limit God because we don't believe that he can do the supernatural. Now, this is not a guilt trip. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to put guilt and condemnation on anybody. If this is what I am doing, and hopefully you'll take it this way, let's pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and say, you know what? I've limited God. And I'm going to start taking the limits off of him. Concerning healing, concerning finances, concerning relationships, concerning my children. You know, we think, oh, man, our, our child, our children, oh, my goodness. Lord, help me. I mean, do, is this a tough time to raise kids? I mean, this is a, I mean, to where, you know, kids don't know or if they're boys or girls. I mean, are you kidding me? I, I didn't have that problem growing. Nobody even, that was not on anybody's lips to know who you are. We just went to the bathroom, and we knew who we are. I'm just saying, this is a crazy world in which we live in. Okay, it just went to PG-13. But anyway, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. It's the devil wants to get so many distractions from our children all the way up to our elderly to try to make us think differently than what God created us on this planet for. But he wants to do and show his goodness through you and me. But we have to choose to believe that. Or we'll just go through a life until the day we die, just living like every ordinary people. But that's, we have a supernatural God on the inside of us. God's going to love you whether or not you believe in his supernatural power no matter what. Let's just get to the bottom line, all right? He will. He's going to love you no matter what you, if you don't believe that about him. But you and I do not need to limit God. So let's believe that when we come to church. Let's believe when we come to church that, you know what? We're going to see the supernatural power of God. I believe we're going to see people transformed. I believe we're going to see people healed. I believe we're going to see people, their life is going to be changed. You know I don't know about you, but I've tried changing my life a bunch of times ever since I was a teenager. And I've done a really cruddy job at it. 
There's some people, maybe they're super disciplined. But I do know this. You're only going to stay changed as long as the discipline is in effect. But if you get weak on the discipline part, it slips, falls. And then you think you're a failure. Man, I think it's time we look to God and say, hey, you're in the changing business. I'm a candidate. Let's make this work. Let's make this work. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says this, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding in all of your ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. And again, you know, I think trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Your own understanding, we are trained from birth that certain things are impossible. I mean, if something happens to you, it's, you know, if something really sickness comes on you and they say that you're going to die, well, you're going to die. But this is what God says. The trust in him with all of our heart, lean not to our own understanding. That's where we have to learn to not lean on our own understanding. You say, that's impossible for that to happen. It's impossible to get this building paid off. It's impossible for uh, my wife to change. (laughs) It's impossible for my husband to pick up his dirty underwear. I mean, there's certain things that are just impossible. That was a joke. But anyway... But we, oh, it wasn't a joke. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, But anyway, we know where his laundry's at. But anyway, we we want you to know that that we lean upon our own understanding instead of saying, you know what? My brain says this, but the word of God says that all things are possible to him that believes. And so if I start believing, then this thing that my brain says is impossible, this thing that I'm believing that for, I believe it can change. It can change. The word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. I've taught on this many times. If you've been in our church for years, you've heard me teach on this. The word shalom. This is, the, this is not just a, a word that I made up. You can look this up in the Hebrew, and this is what the Hebrew dictionary, this is what the, uh, the teaching Uh, that the Jewish people know about shalom. You know, when they greet one another, when Jews greet somebody, they'll go, shalom. And then when they leave, they say the same thing, shalom. But they know, if they know Hebrew, they know what they're saying to that that person that they just said shalom to. You know, when you and I say, hey, what's up? What's going on? Dude, hey. You know, all the greetings, there's five million of them. But anyway, but in the Jewish culture, it's shalom. And this is what it means, completeness. Salvation, soundness, welfare, peace, safety, security, health, tranquility, contentment, friendship, prosperity, well-being, and success in all areas of your life. Man, is that your most favorite word or what? That's a slappy upside the head word. I mean, it's a nuclear word, man. Shalom to you. That's what all of these things, man, I'm glad they don't go, okay, wait a minute, I want to say hi to you. Complete and salvation, I mean, it's a 30-second high. They're already walking, they're, they're gone, they're catching the train, man. I mean, but you just say, shalom, and it's boom, 
all of those things. All of those things to you. But it's peace. It's translated in the Bible as peace. But it means shalom. In the Greek, it's in the word peace, it's a little bit different. It's still it's connected to all of the, uh, the meaning of the Hebrew word. But it also uh, is tranquility of the soul that is unaffected by outward circumstance or pressures. It's unaffected by circumstances or outside pressures. In other words, you can't touch it. You can't touch it once you have a revelation of this. Once you have a revelation of the peace of God in you, then the circumstances out here cannot take it away, nor does it affect how you think. You see, when we see someone that we love and they're believing for healing and and they die, our brain says, well, it doesn't work. The power of God doesn't work all the time. I do not have all the answers. And anybody who does, you know, they're a liar, liar, pants on fire. You know what I mean? We don't. Only God has that. You know? Both my parents died in sickness. I've had friends. I've had loved ones. We all have had that. And so we see that, and that's why religion, when they see that, they change what they believe because of what they've experienced. It should not be. You know why? Your doctrine will never have any solid foundation because it's going to be constantly changing because of what we see, what we experience. I'm glad Jesus didn't teach that. He was secure. No matter what was going on in his life, he was secure in what he believed and what his mission was. We have to have that in our foundation, that we're not changing what we believe based upon what we see or what is experienced out here. Because if it is, you will never believe in healing. Never. You will never believe in getting your needs met and prospering and having an abundance in your life. You won't believe that. You will not. But this has to be our shalom. We have to have shalom in our life. And so that no matter what's going on out here, we are not going to change what we believe in here. The Greek-English lexicon. It says this. It said for the word peace in the Greek, it says to exist or be in abundance. So you don't just have a little peace inside of you. You've got Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace. He is peace. He is all of what shalom is. God planned to restore the shalom through the cross, the death, and the resurrection. He wanted to restore all of what shalom is to you and to me. He did. But, you know, it's a struggle talking about peace. What's your biggest struggle with peace? It's with others, is it not? When we were missionaries in, in Africa, you know, somebody told me, he says, you know, being a missionary would be really easy if it wasn't for people. You just take the people equation out, boy, this would be really easy. I go, yeah, that's, that's what we do. It's all about people. It's all about people. 
But uh, we struggle about having peace, not only with people, we struggle with peace about our own self, who we are, seeing our shortcomings, seeing our insecurities. And then ultimately, there's people who have a peace problem with God. They don't think that all is well going horizontal between them and God. But God wants you to know today, first of all, that all is well in the horizontal part. There is nothing separating you. Paul had such a revelation of this. He said, nothing can separate me from the love of God. Not even death itself. And speaking of death, when a Christian believer, when they die, there's great victory. There's not even defeat in dying. All of us have had trouble probably when loved ones have taken advantage of us, lied about us. Maybe you've been stolen from. Maybe you've been mistreated. Regardless of how we've uh, been offended, the God that's in you and me is always screaming out for forgiveness. So choose today. If somebody's done you wrong and you want to go home and play the country music song, somebody done me wrong song, you know, you just need to forgive them. It is a choice. People says, well, I have a hard time. Says who? That's how we're taught because we've heard that so many times. It's hard to forgive people. Really? No matter what they've done to you, you just go, I'm going to choose to forgive them right now. And the reason is because how much has God forgiven you and me? How much has he forgiven us? Everything from your birth all the way to the last breath you breathe, he says, I've paid the price for you to be forgiven all of those years. So who are we to withhold forgiveness from? And let me just say this. Forgiveness is more about you than it is them. There's some people that have done some things, you know, to me as a pastor, you know, and they leave, and I never see them again. And I make sure that I say, Father, I just want you to know. They may never know it, but I've already forgiven them. And you know who that's for? It's not for them. It's for me. Because holding bitterness and unforgiveness in you will affect you physically. Medical science has already proven that. It will affect you physically if you withhold unforgiveness to somebody. And they won't even know it. There's people living rent-free inside your mind, and they don't even know it. It's for you. John 14, 27 says this. I leave the gift of peace with you. It's a gift. My peace. Not the kind of fragile peace given by the world but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. So he said there is a peace that the world can talk about. And people, you know, that's what they want. We just want peace of the world, you know. Win the beauty contest and what's your main goal? I want to have peace around the world. No, that's not the peace that, you know, you're not going to get anything like that. That's a fragile peace. But the peace that God is saying here, that Jesus said, he says, my peace is a gift to you, and it's not fragile. 
It's not easily offended. It's not touchy. You don't have to walk on eggshells about it. It is a strong, bold piece. And he says, I put it inside of you. It's inside of you and me. The shalom, the peace of God is inside of us. You know, over 300 times in the Bible, the phrase fear not is the most quoted command in the Bible. The most quoted command in the Bible is fear not. Evidently, God knew that we were going to have issues with fear. Welcome 2020. Over 300 times, you know, an angel show up, you know, everybody gets scared, fear not. The enemy surrounds the, the children of God, and God says, don't be afraid. I mean, Elisha and his servants in this building, and, and, you know, the enemy's totally surrounded him. And his servant looks out the window and goes, oh, my. And the prophet goes, nah, there's more for us than there are against us. I mean, let's just get real. You're leaning on your own understanding. You're going to go, my friend has lost it. He has totally lost it. He's totally leaning on his own understanding. But he was not leaning on his own understanding. He was going, I'm trusting in the Lord. I trust in my God. And he says, therefore, I know there are more for us than there are against us. But if you lean on your own understanding, that's what you're going to believe. That's what you're going to believe. But peace equals trust. And I wanted to bring this out. You know, Paul was a guy that, I mean, he went through a lot of things. In Acts chapter 20, verse 22, he said this, And now I am being compelled by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem without really knowing what will happen to me there. Yet, I know the Holy Spirit warns me in town after town, saying chains and afflictions are prepared for you. But whether I live or die is not important, for I don't esteem my life as indispensable. It's more important for me to fulfill my destiny and to finish the ministry my Lord Jesus has assigned to me, which is faithfully to preach the wonderful news of God's grace. This is what Paul was saying. His friends... And there were certain prophets that come up to him and says, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound. You're going to be beaten. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. He's going, yeah, yeah, okay. And so all of his friends saying, don't go. Don't go. Don't go to Jerusalem. He goes, no, 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 no. It's all right. What do you mean it's all right? Paul had a revelation that you and I need to get a hold of. The peace of God means you can trust God that he's going to get you through any circumstance. Paul was beaten. He was chained. He was put in prison. But while he was in prison, he wrote Philippians, which was all about joy. In other words, him being in that predicament, in that circumstance, he did not let the circumstance get inside of him. Did you hear that? We let the circumstance get inside of us. We let people's anger get inside of us. We let what's going on in the world get inside of us. And Paul said, none of these things move me. 
You can chain me up. You can beat me. You can hang me from the highest tree. But when the dust settles, I'm going to have a smile on my face. And I've got the peace of God inside of in me. And you cannot take that away. You can give it away. But you can't take it away. My point in saying all this is this. Is that there may be circumstances in our future that just may slap you upside the head. But there again, what God do you serve? He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. He's not. Paul is saying this. I'm trusting in God. I can trust in myself, and it will only take me so far. But if I trust God, trusting God will equal peace in my life. Trusting God will equal peace in our life. You got to trust him. But don't trust him like I was taught when I was growing up. Well, just trust the Lord. You know, if you get sick, you know, he's going to teach you something. Just trust the Lord. No, that's not what we're saying. No, we are definitely not saying that. I've read this um, from Facebook, believe it or not. My wife sent it to me. It's the story of Pearl Harbor. Maybe you've heard this. On Sunday, December 7th, 1941. Admiral Chester Nimitz was attending a concert in Washington, D.C. He was paged and told there was a phone call for him. When he answered the phone, it was President Franklin D. Roosevelt on the phone. He told Admiral Nimitz that he, Nimitz, would now be the commander of the Pacific Fleet. Admiral Nimitz flew to Hawaii and assumed the command in the Pacific Fleet. He landed at Pearl Harbor on Christmas Eve, 1941. There was such a spirit of despair, dejection, and defeat you would have thought the Japanese had already won the war. On Christmas Day, 1941, Admiral Nimitz was given a boat tour of the destruction wrought on Pearl Harbor by the Japanese. These big sunken battleships and Navy vessels cluttered the waters everywhere you looked. As the tour boat returned to the dock, the young helmsman of the boat asked, Well, Admiral, what do you think after seeing all this destruction? Admiral Nimitz replied, shocked everyone within the sound of his voice. Admiral Nimitz said, the Japanese made three of the biggest mistakes an attack force could ever make, or God was taking care of America. Which do you believe? Shocked and surprised, the young hillsman asked, what in the world do you mean by saying the Japanese made the three biggest mistakes that's ever made? Notice he didn't say anything about God. But anyway, Nimitz explained mistake number one. The Japanese attacked on Sunday morning because of the weekend. If those same ships had been lured to sea and been sunk, we would have lost 38,000 men instead of 3,800. Mistake number two. When the Japanese saw all those battleships lined in a row, they got so carried away and they sunk the battleships but never once bombed our dry docks just opposite of those ships. If they had destroyed our dry docks, we would have had to tow every one of those ships to America to be, or to the mainland, sorry, to, to the mainland to be uh, repaired. As it is now, the ships are in shallow water. They can be raised, and one tug can pull them over to the dry docks, and we can have them repaired at sea by the time we could have towed them to the mainland. And I already have crews ashore anxiously 
to man those ships. Mistake number three. Every drop of fuel in the Pacific Theater of War is on the top of the ground storage tanks right over that hill of just five miles. One attack plane could have attacked those tanks and destroyed our whole fuel supply. That's why I say the Japanese made three big mistakes or God is taking care of America. In God we trust. In the midst of devastation, in the midst of destruction, Come on now, we got to have a, a, a Nimitz-type attitude that rises up outside of us and says, this is going to be our greatest hour, man. The enemy took his best shot, and he screwed it up. He messed up. He couldn't take us down. We're going to come up and rise out of this. That's what you and I got to do. Don't just say, oh, man, we got to throw in the towel. No, we're throwing the towel in and going to come up in shining armor. That's what we're going to do. We're going to believe God. We're going to trust God. We're going to trust God with all of our heart and lean not to our own understanding and all of our ways. We're going to acknowledge him. God's going to get me through this. Well, how? I'm not God. I can't tell you how, but he's going to get us through this. Oh, man, God's going to heal you. How how is God going to? They don't have medication for that. They don't know have anything. Well, I'm not God. I don't know how. I'm just going to believe him, and that's his business. Oh, and we're gonna, they said you're going to lose your house. You've lost your job. You can't pay your bills. Oh, everything's going to be fine because I know God's going to help me through this. Well, how's he going to do this? Well, I don't know how, but that's his business. He's God. I'm just trusting and believing him. That's my part. It's his part to do everything else. It's my part to believe. It's my part to believe and trust God. And if you trust God, you will have the peace of God just come out of you. Now, let me say this. In closing, you can't trust somebody that you don't know. If you've got a little bitty baby and you're in this shopping center and everything and you need to go in and, and try some dress on or something, no mama's going to go to some stranger and go, excuse me, could you hold my baby while I go in? Are you kidding me? No, you're not going to do it. Why? Because you don't know them. I believe this is where the short circuit is. We don't know God like we need to know him. Because if we knew him like we should know him, we could trust him in any circumstance. Bombs could be falling off. But we could just quote what it says in Psalms. A thousand have fallen at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come nigh unto me. Whoa. Pretty bold statement. Only people who know God can say stuff like that. Only people who know God can talk like that. You and me can talk like that. We can. We can. We just got to choose. I believe that's the kind of God I serve. Is that the kind of God you serve? Do you believe in the God that if the bombs are flying off and a thousand are falling to your side, ten thousand at your right hand, do you believe that no harm will come nigh your dwelling? That's where I want us to get to. I want the water to rise. You know when the water rises in the harbor, all the boats rise. I'm just telling you, the water's rising. (laughs) I'm just glad you're here to be in the rising party because the boats are rising and our belief is rising. 
the supernatural power, power of God is going to be manifested. His goodness is going to be manifested. People are going to be changed. People who don't even this kind of, yeah, I believe in God, you know, yeah, I believe in God. You can talk to somebody who lives under a bridge and say, do you believe in God? Yes, I do. But evidently, the God that they believe in has not been manifested inside of them to change their life. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm just saying that something is, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. And to be honest with you, there's a disconnect with me. There's a disconnect with you because we are not where God wants us to be as far as believing, limiting him. But it's changing. It's changing. I sense it. We're not there. But at least we've gotten out of the water and we're being taken to the dry dock so we can get work done. Amen? Let's stand. Praise God. I know it's a little challenging today. Maybe challenging to you. Maybe you think, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know about that. That's all right. It's all right. There's an ebb and flow, you know, with my journey with God. There's been times in my life that I just was so fired up about the supernatural. And then there's times in my life that, you know, uh, I just, I wasn't. Everything was going well in my life, and, and it's almost like I didn't even need the supernatural and so you don't really believe for it because you know what my family's happy everybody's okay I'm paying the bills we got food everything's good I'm healthy hallelujah bless the Lord which is fine but I just think when you hang around somebody or start having a prayer time with God where he just starts showing himself his goodness, his supernatural power and his supernatural ability. When you start seeing that, all of a sudden you think there's something just rises up within you is that I won't be satisfied until I have that. I won't be satisfied until I know that God. Are you hearing me? I won't be satisfied. And that's the point I'm at in my life. I won't be satisfied until I know the God that I read about. You know, most of us were taught this. In Bible school, or not Bible school, Sunday school when you're growing up, that um, Jesus Christ is the uh, same yesterday, today, and forever. We were taught that, but then if you read about what Jesus did, raising the dead and doing all of this, but then in 2021, you think like, well, no, he don't do that. But we quoted that scripture. We quoted that. We believe it. But we don't believe it. We quote it, but we don't really believe it. We said, yeah, that's in the Bible. <laughs> but is it in you? It's got to be in you. It can't just be in the Bible. But once it's in us, and then the, the trust factor is going to start rising up inside of you and me. The trust factor will start rising up. And when the trust factor starts rising up, then you can start, I believe God can do that. I believe God can heal. I believe God can provide. I believe God can do the supernatural. I believe. I believe. So it's a journey. So if you're there, don't get discouraged and go, oh, dear Lord. How do 
don't get discouraged. This message, if you got that, then you heard my message all wrong. This is to stir all of us up, to trust God, so that first of all, you can have an overwhelming peace of God. And then, so you can start saying, I'm going to change the way that I think about God. I'm going to believe that he can do the supernatural. I'm going to believe that he can do the miraculous. It's a journey, and this is the first step. Amen. Let me pray for you. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name for all of us. There may be some here that are struggling, and it's like a, a bone they're trying to swallow, and it got caught in their throat, and I just don't know. That's all right, Father. I just pray that the love of God will just absolutely dissolve the hardness and so they can swallow and sense the goodness of God, sense the love of God and what he wants for us, what he wants for us. Father, you want us to believe you. You want us to trust you. So I pray for Rocky Mountain Family Church. I pray our eyes to be open, our hearts to be tender change the way that we think, maybe even change the way that we believed in the past. Father, help us to believe that there is not only a supernatural God that can do all things, but that supernatural God lives in us and that we believe that he can still do supernatural things today. We believe no matter what circumstances going on around us, that we'll still have the peace of God still have the love of God and we'll be able to minister to those around us in Jesus name. Amen.